Can we have the lights down a little bit? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Did you want to say hi? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome. It's so wonderful to see such a crowd here. This is so exciting. Uh, my name is Nina Mamakunian. I'm the literature librarian here at Geisel. Um, we're so excited to have Christy C. Road read for us and give a presentation, and we're thrilled to have the new writing series um, here in Geisel Library. Um, without further ado, Professor Brandon Salm. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Um, as Nina said, I'm, I'm Brandon Salm. I'm a poet and professor here in the literature department, and I'm so excited to see you all here. So excited and thrilled that Christy C. Road is with us uh, this evening. Really looking forward to uh, tonight's event. Um, students from Anna Joy's uh, Comics in Writing course uh, will be introducing uh, it's Christy C. Road this evening. Um, but before we do uh, get to them and their wonderful introduction, wanted to let people know, looking forward to March 8th um, at 11 a.m. So March 8th, 11 a.m. in Professor... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, it is. It is. No, it's strange. That's why I said it. <laughs> No, it is strange. March 8th at 11 a.m. in Professor Amelia Glazer's course in classroom, uh, the poet Lenore Gorlick will be visiting and reading and speaking, and so we want to promote that. And uh, the, the, uh, Professor Glazer has opened up the class. Excuse me. The Professor Gorlick has opened up the class. Microphone, hot mic. Um, uh, <laughs> Professor Glazer has opened up the class um, for, uh, for, for the community, so please do attend that again March 8th. 11 a.m. All right. Um, without further ado, again, uh, the students of Professor Anna Joy Springer's class. Christy C. Road grew up questioning society through self-taught artistic skill. As a child, she and her sister pioneered an early form of what we now call theatrical fan fiction, making TV shows starring their favorite Star Trek characters. Rhodes also been making drawings into booklets, folding and stapling and copying the papers since a very young age. Again, a once more extraordinarily innovative early version of what we now call zines. And indeed, Rhodes the kind of person who prefers to set tradition rather than follow it. Instead of a quinceanera, she's celebrated her 15th birthday with the gift of a blue Fender Stratocaster guitar before legally changing her name to a Green Day song got the same guitar that is uh, owned by Billy Joe Armstrong, the founder, lead vocalist, and guitarist of, yes, Green Day. Even when she accepted the task of illustrating tarot cards, it took her a minute to accept because drawing something that followed a tradition was unfamiliar. Rode received a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Illustration from the Wingling School of Art and Design in Florida in 2004 and an MFA in the same discipline from the Fashion Institute of Technology New York in 2017. In Florida, Rode says she was fairly infamous, the punk feminist in a red state who spent most of her time protesting representations of gender and race in art. Since 2004, Rhodes contributed more than 100 exhibitions, lectures, presentations, and workshops on everything from sex worker visions to the 2017 Latinx Ivy League conference. As a punk artist, Rhodes says she is using gifts and tools to educate and inspire and smash silence. I think that about says it all. Mm -hmm. 
Hello, everybody. Um, I think I can speak for my peers and that we are extremely honored to be... Ooh, did I press something? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I drew that in when I was four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, to introduce a truly amazing artist, Christy Seabrode. Not only is she a writer, but also has established herself as a punk rock musician, an activist, and a graphic novelist. In her art, she primarily focuses on themes such as queer culture, cultural identity, punk rock, and social justice. Starting from just the age of 14, Rode began making zines to personally detail her own identity, politics, and ideas. Also, her desire to beat up boys. This interest quickly grew into creating one of her first known successes, Green Zine. Simply put, a fanzine about the band Green Day, but perhaps more importantly about living through her 21st birthday, sexual assault, and maintaining mental health. Her success as a graphic novelist eventually resulted in the publication of works such as Indestructible, Bad Habits, and Spit and Passion. Her powerful voice as a queer Latina woman has also been featured in several anthologies, including Baby, Remember My Name, and Reproduce and Revolt. With influences ranging from Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy to Frida Kahlo, Rhoda has created a unique style of blending both bold graphic art with epic surrealist paintings. I personally have had the pleasure of experiencing her current project, Next World Tarot, featured to my right, um, and find her artwork to not only live up to such an expectation, but also to showcase resistance of sexism, racism, and homophobia, topics that are extremely relevant to our worlds at this moment. In combination with her talent for writing, Rhodes' illustrative work and punk rock attitude has truly created a world that speaks to people who identify with such experiences, but also to those who seek to understand such experiences. As a champion of feminism, personal identity, familiar culture, and social political awareness, Christy C. Rode remains a unique presence among her peers and generation. From bad habits to spit and passion, she provides untold readers of all ages the comfort and nostalgia of personal growth and the journey of finding one's own identity. Her visual history and self-reflection will forever project freedom within a sometimes constricted reality and uncertain society. To break free and progress forward, into the known and unknown world with squared shoulders, colorful tails, and punk rock vocals. One day, her art will line the walls of museums right next to Frida Kahlo, Diego Rivera, and John Crickfalusi, still can't pronounce his name, in, future, in the future. But we've beaten those museums to the punch as her works already line our shelves within our own homes. Through her artistic expression and empowering commentary, she shows the world why she is indestructible. Please give a hand for our special guest. Thank you so much, y'all. I'm, I'm crying a little. I don't know if anyone's into astrology. I have a lot of cancer in my chart. So I can't help it when... You know, uh, building a career that's based off of trauma and anger and hate and being like, oh, nobody takes me seriously. You know, everyone's mean. Um, you know, it's very, it's very moving. And 
and magical to to be in, in a space that is about your work and, and, you know, getting to connect with folks who are also doing important work. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, thank you so much. I'm Christy Rode. Um, I, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my my background and my art and kind of how I came to be. Um, this is an image from 2001, and I, this is just something I always like to start with because it's something that to this day I just really need to hold on to um, as somebody who writes a lot of memoirs, does writes a lot of personal narratives. Um, a lot of my songwriting is about crushes and crushing and learning to love during horrible things happening in the world and happening um, in your brain, in your body. Um, and I, f I feel like that's not always seen as like this, this revolutionary journey. Um, and every, every now and then it has been. Obviously, we, we just heard Frida Kahlo's name and, you know, her work is a great example of stuff that is very personal, um, but politicized by viewers, but then also like taken in by viewers and like empowering folks who are also struggling with similar things. Um, so this line, revolution between the lines, I, I put it on a patch in like 2000. Um, it was my Y2K gift to the world. And <laughs> I used to, this is when I first started traveling with my art, kind of be, being a, a very in, focused very focused on the punk rock community and traveling throughout the punk rock community and kind of learning how to how to survive there. Um, and so, as you heard, the green zine was the, the zine that I wrote um, in the 90s. I started in 1997. And this is the issue number three. And yeah, I've never been a fan of, of our government. So <laughs> this is, you know, but there, there's so much to be said about these images. Like, like, why are the guys beating up the government? And like, I'm I'm in the bottom left. That's me. <laughs> like it, it just shows so much about my 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 self-esteem and like my my survival. And then you know through the years I just was like, all right, this is this is a punk rock zine. I'm just gonna focus on bands and I'm gonna you know not get too deep into my life. But I couldn't help it because you know while I was telling these stories about survival and punk and living through all this stuff, I was also um, experiencing all the trauma and experiencing all the bullshit that you know, kind of turned into my, my later work. Um, this is issue 13 from uh, 2003. And it's, it's the first zine that I just specifically wanted to focus on healing and um, surviving sexual violence and abuse, but also finding community, finding um, people, and the, the exchange of support and the experience of kind of healing within a community. Um, which to me wasn't really a, a concept when I was just like obsessed with bands and obsessed with pop punk and obsessed with drinking with my friends and listening to the Ramones and, you know, and then deep inside I had all these like feminist feelings, these angry feelings, and I didn't really know what to do with them. And so this 2003 is kind of when I, I found, um, um, you know, the communities that I romanticized as a kid. Um, 
And I love getting all, all choked up about this. My band now is called Choked Up because because <laughs> Anna Joy set up this show, but I was like obsessed with her band in like 1994, um, and not just her band, but her community and the, the you know it was just one seven inch one tape of her band and like reading the insert and reading the lyrics. And you don't you never know what's happening in these communities. You know, young kids go to my shows and they're like, oh, this we found this magical world, and I'm like. You don't even know. Don't don't even worry. You know, like leave now before you. Everyone starts dating each other, and it's really dramatic. However, you know, instead of like kind of compartmentalizing punk rock community and feminist community, I think that appreciating the work that comes out and appreciating the bands and appreciating the stuff that's happening is very important. However, finding that community and and letting that community heal you. It's what was happening around 2004, and I was like, oh, you know, this is real if you, if you meet the right people and you, you know, are able to let go of toxic stuff. And, um, and of course, it's been a long journey. This was a very long time ago, and, um, you know, stuff like this has happened. So my work has kind of gone from the very vulnerable personal stuff to just talking about the world, and that's kind of a huge part of sustaining my art and also a huge part of why doing my personal stuff, doing these lectures, doing workshops, teaching is more of what I want to do as work. Because um, freelancing never really worked. Everybody was like, she's too pissed, she's too gay, she's too problematic in all these different ways. And so my work just kind of was very focused on the resilience of either communities I was coming from, communities that I wanted to be a part of or communities that I thought needed to be heard and needed to be um, supported as opposed to the ones that I was seeing getting funding and getting support. <clears throat> and so with time, I just kind of let go of publishing zines, um, particularly because I needed um, an ISBN number in my work and because I wanted it in libraries. I wanted it to just be accessible by all kinds of people and not just the punk rock community. And, you know, it's like, yes, I found that. And yes, I needed that. Um, but like I said before, things are imperfect and we grow up and we, we stop idealizing these like punk rock worlds. Um, and this was my first ISBN book with a spine, indestructible about, and it's about high school and healing and growing in high school. And then um, with that book, I just kind of, was writing a lot about the past, a lot about these these things that I didn't really ever um, articulate in my zine. Because in my zine, I was so busy romanticizing punk and romanticizing the like radical community where we were all growing and loving each other. And so Indestructible was this real talk. Like, this is actually how high school was. It was very lonely. But we all hung out in our rooms and cried together listening to Lookout Records albums. And, um, you know, there was those moments of of healing. Um, but the book is a lot about death and a lot about, um, pain, painful stuff that happens, happened to me during my teenage years. Um, and so that kind of experience led me to feel claustrophobic and like I needed to tell what was going on and just kind of take all the zines, all the, all the really romantic punk rock feminist narratives and make this book that, um, is very sad and very real, but also, you know, this is actually what happened. This is what happened when I left Florida, when I left Philadelphia, when the feminist community stopped working and I needed to just really heal and not heal in a way where we, we had like the, these moments, 
of like spending time together, crying together, healing from these really messed up things together. Um, but then those moments end, you know, people go to their life, people go to their partners, people go to their communities. And sometimes those communities don't stick together for like legit reasons. We're all, especially when you're all young, messed up people who are like trying to find a place to be. Um, and so the community I ended up finding was in New York City. And I, mo I moved to New York City around 2005. And so this book, Bad Habits, is all about um, just kind of finding something else, leaving behind everything that um, you thought was safe, and then just learn relearning safety and relearning the meaning of your connection to your body and, and relearning love and sex. And so this book just was a moment of growth for me because I was working with an agent for the first time and I was working with this bigger publisher soft school at the time and you know a lot had changed I had gone on the sister spit tour in 2007 and that like totally changed my life in this like whoa I can be a weirdo and like be professional because I'm on tour with all these weirdos who are like a, you know next generation from me and they've been doing this way longer and um, you know, I've done a lot, but I still have always felt like this little secret punk troll that doesn't really belong in, in the academy or at the bookstore or at the, you know. So that just kind of changed around when, when this book came out. Um, and But I still ran into problems. The the marketing of the book, they, they didn't let me talk about abuse. They didn't let me talk about healing. They wanted me to sensationalize the drugs and the, the sex. And it was very unfortunate. Um, so I just kind of made a fake, I made an anti-press release and I like, you know, it was, it's what, do what you got to do. Cause they did not compromise the interior pages and, you know, but a lot of people bought the book for what it's not. They were like, Oh, this is like fear and loathing in Las Vegas, but like a girl wrote it. Cool. <laughs> Drugs and chicks. And like, she's bi. Oh my God. So, and then, you know, they, they bought the book and there's some Goodreads reviews that are like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be this like feminist stuff. <laughs> and like, so you can get the book for a dollar on Amazon used, which I love. It's, it's really punk and I'm, I don't feel defeated at all. I think it's awesome. It's like, but you know, unfortunately, where did all that money go? Um, all the, all the money that was spent buying the books originally. Um, but anyways, you know, after that experience, I just felt, I felt very exposed. I felt like, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't want to be like here anymore. I, I just kind of really need to focus on growing out of that and not really retelling that story and not getting stuck in that narrative of survival and just trying to survive. Um, and so I focused on other stuff in my life. This is my band, The Homewreckers, and we were around for eight years and, we were very, uh, I, I was really anti-music industry, but, you know, I got very involved in just really um, believing in this project. And I, we, we released this with some friends' labels. I did all the art for it. I, I write all the songs and I sing um, in that band. And um, so during that whole time of doing what I love, not worrying about, I, ha I was a cocktail waitress, I, you know, I'm going to do what I love, I need a part-time. Um, so during that time, I started working on this book, which I did not get a fancy advance for, but I got to do whatever I wanted, and I got to really say what I wanted to say. And I'm going to read from it now. I'm going to read um, the end. Is that okay? Is anyone ready for the spoiler? If anyone's not, I don't have to. Just let me know. All right. 
Um, so I, I really like reading the end. Um, so this book, Spit and Passion, is about discovering Green Day. It's about that that year before I started Green Scene, before I found friends, before I found punk, but that I realized that I was in the closet. I was like, oh, I have been living in this closet and now I'm not ready to come out, but I'm ready to make it really beautiful and decorate it. <laughs> and so it's seventh grade, it's just all, you know, seventh grade, surviving seventh grade, um, and discovering Green Day in the process and discovering um, all the Bay Area bands, Blatts and Pansy Division and all these queer and feminist bands and hearing about Riot Girl. I didn't know about Riot Girl bands yet, but I, I was like, oh, that's a thing. Um, but I was, you know, still very scared, still didn't really trust other humans, but I trusted um, music and I trusted myself a little. So I'm going to read the end. Oh, sorry. Also, the other, there's this, there's this narrative in the book that is about reconnecting to my family. And well, as you heard, I grew up in Miami. I'm Cuban-American. And I was raised a little Catholic, not super Catholic, but there was a lot of homophobic feelings that, like, kind of ran the home and, and made it really hard to survive. And, and so that's why I chose to stay in the closet. And so this book was kind of like the anti it gets better campaign. It was kind of <laughs> like, it, it might get better, but don't think about it that way. Try to make it better right now. Like as you, as much as you can, even if you, you know, like after you're done crying, after you're done having the worst day ever at school, um, it's just, you know, it's about surviving like these really sad times. Um, through Green Day. I tried to disassociate from my family. I tried to disassociate my family from the evil values they were born into, the values that I believed humanity would eventually reject. Frankly, I did not know how or when this would happen, but I knew one thing. I wanted to be Cubana as much as I wanted to be gay. Traditional ways of thinking were going to happen, but I didn't want to lose what I otherwise took pride in. I didn't like America and the things that I felt challenged the creative purity of my culture. I was pollo fricase, la vaquita y la fastidiosa, la que no parece a la otra chiquita pero la hermosa, because I tried to be the best I could, even if it scared the other girls at school. Deep inside, I was burning. I wanted people to stop complaining and to stop hoping for planetary homogenization. So I attempted a constant state of meditation in order to maintain some sort of connection to culture without defeat because I was not a certain way and I had to do what I could to survive. I wanted to breathe. I wanted to think in Spanish, bathe in Mojo Criollo, dream in Cuba and saturate in my closet. I wanted to simmer and sear on the 90-degree pavement, on a stroll down Coral Way, inhaling 10 croquetas de jamón and montes de oca pizza, cubana, holding onto someone's hand and holding onto myself. I lay under the lime tree and picked at my brain, but clasped my hands tightly in lieu of tomorrow, yesterday and achieving my new reality. I was here, and I doubted I was going anywhere for a long, long time. I didn't know what the positivity inflicting that day was, the planets pushing my subconscious, or me sticking my foot in my mouth. It was around 4 p.m., and Mama called me to come back into the house because lunch was being served. My family built a sheath above my head that protected me from hurricanes and self-hate. Mama and Yeya would chop vegetables, stew meats, awaken flavors, and honor the spice that streamed through our blood vessels. 
When lunch was ready, Fifi and I pl faced un plato de ropa vieja, papas acochada, white rice, and batido de mamey, unfoldable TV trays. We could laugh and resurrect our 13 years of childhood that would never fully go away. Through every stray gay slur maneuvering its way through my family's dialogue and exiting the loose mouths of young, fiery, sarcastic kids, I put socialization on that curb again. I would put it there before every lunch, every dinner, every laugh, every Christmas, every birthday, and before every reconnection. I like to see my closet as a safe and alternate universe of us versus them, and now versus later. In my closet, the oceans and creatures would coalesce in support of my identity. <clears throat> Sometimes the doorways felt like pillars, the clothing on the racks like tropical foliage, and the ground like the ocean. I rode the currents with my conscious mind and learned to tuck that mind away if I needed to. Although I knew I never wanted to, I learned to not attack myself for this as I developed a new sense of strength in the oasis that I had created. I liked to watch the sunset if it was the last day on earth. I would inspect every abyss of neon pink light because I knew that tomorrow might not look like this. I would sit there and wait for the sky to turn my favorite shade of saturated periwinkle and I would watch until it went away. I slept with a nightlight on. I thought the darkness was just plain frightening, but it seemed to make absolute sense when there was just the right amount of light. All right, y'all, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, these are some images from the inside of Spit and Passion. Um, they are about Green Day, about decorating my closet, and figuring out religion, and understanding <laughs> that La Virgen Maria, who is all over the house, is not the guy that is pulling her strings. And same, same for Jesus, too. But I should have shown this slide earlier. So um, after this book, I kind of went back into that place of wanting to get real deep with my, my feelings and reconnecting to, to love and reconnecting to these more emotional places. Um, and that kind of led to this band that I'm in as well right now, Choked Up. Um, but I, I kind of, this is, this is where I go to, to write about those feelings and write about um, those personal sad things. Um, and so I kind of felt a little, I felt a little exhausted with being too personal in, in longer narratives, books, graphic novels, you know, part of me is like, maybe one day I do the science fiction book that's based on my ex, but I, I don't know. For now, I would rather just write about them in this project and like sing about them and then sing about other things that are about my heart, about healing. Because um, for the last couple years, I've been, oh, this is us. This is choked up. Um, and so it's very exciting. It's, it's, um, I started the band with Rachel, who is um, to my, my left. And um, she's Puerto Rican from Staten Island. So being, being like Green Day nerd, Latino weirdos was really special and new to me. Um, and she actually came up to me at a talk at Barnard, and she was like, I heard you said that you, your band broke up. I've, I've been, like, playing by myself in Staten Island for, like, a million years. And I was like, oh, poor you, Staten Island. And she's, like, this amazing, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone would do that if they weren't amazing. So I just trusted her. Um, and it's awesome. And so, you know, choked up. That's where I go to get choked up. Um, but... 
for the last couple of years, I've, my whole life has kind of revolved around the next world tarot. Um, and so I, I started this deck a billion years ago. Um, 2007, during that Sister Spit tour, was actually Michelle T had asked me, do you want to do this deck with me? And I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm not magical. And then, you know, it took so much for me to really feel connected with it. I agreed to do it in 2009, um, but it's, you know, so much changed. She actually stopped being a part of the project, and, you know, we parted ways. No drama. It was just very, like, this is happening. Um, but throughout the production of this, this other thing was happening in my brain that was more about connecting to ancestral magic and connecting to all these things that, that to me now feel magical and now help me feel grounded. And, you know, I could get a tarot card reading, read some horoscopes, talk to my witchy friends or like, you know, kind of witchy elders, you know, and, and learn. But it, it, none of that will ever compare to just me talking to my 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 dead great grandmother in her altar you know like the, those are the kind of things that i like needed to do and it has nothing to do with religion it has nothing to do with structure of religion it has to do with you know people of color owning their lineage and and then also connecting that lineage to you know ethereal for forces and metaphysical ideas and you know and paranormal if that's what you want to call it because you know you can call them ghosts or spirits um so, I'm going to read the intro to the Next World Tarot, and I'm going to scroll through the images. Um, so, the, the, the deck is very focused on reconnecting um, queer communities of color to their ancestral magic, but also just resilience, survival. The, the deck originally was just like queer punks. So, there's like some cards that are like, oh, this is from the original cast, obviously. <laughs> it looks a little like the Pamela Coleman Smith's... Um, the Rider Waite Tarot, as you know, the the industry calls it, um, but it's Pamela Coleman Smith's art. So, you know, those images were very were very influential in the beginning, but then it kind of turned into this. This is the Justice card, and it's a the queer protest, and there's all kinds of stuff kind of like involved in the cards. Um, so I'm going to read the intro, and maybe I'll, I'll read some cards if we have time. Um, when we're up, the system wants to tear us down. When we're down, we sink in an act of resistance or self-preservation that comes from the horror of exhaustion. How do we hold each other up in a world where oppression can be louder than self-love? The next world tarot is a tool for magic. Magic is essential for the head to reach the feet and for the feet to truly feel the earth, the sun, the trees, the ground, and the elements that much of humanity take for granted. The next world is a threshold between humans and ghosts, where the spirits of our guides are sparkling behind us when we are at war. The next world aims to decolonize the stories of our grandparents, as our connections to the universe are often challenged by the fog of patriarchy and imperialism. The next world aims to dismantle the patriarchal foundations of security culture, as it has silenced survivors of sexism and violence for far too long. The next world is a femme hacker eager to out the truth and tired of compromising her body for stability. The next world is about decriminalizing black bodies, its conversations on external and internalized racism transforming into action. It's dismantling white supremacy as a universal task. The next world is accessible. It's relearning respect to the point where we can care for differently abled people through intuitive and rapid responses. The next world is self-care as a right. 
The next world is reviewing our definitions of gender and respecting those of others. The next world is trans-feminist. It's understanding historical power structures about gender expression. It's intersectional, as discussing gender and race is vital to feminism. It's about elevating the revolutions required to truly elevate all women. The next world removes the patriarchal gaze that stares deeply into communities of color, the gaze that erases histories rich in gender queerness and matriarchy. The next world is a foundation for reconnecting to our ancestry and dismantling magic that's been harmed. It's being spiritual and queer and broken or fixed, but being okay. The next world is misfits owning their cultures without guilt. It's causing a glowing rift between structured dogmatic religion and humanity's connection to the spirit world. It's nurturing the decolonized ideologies on health and wellness passed down to us by our, our, our abuelas, our elders, and our healers. The next world is breathing. It's knowing that we are safe as long as we continue to answer the tough questions in order to find lightness and justice. In the next world, we can name our darkest moments in our heads, in our closets, in our worst companionships, in our worst selves, and we can power through them. As we are accountable, as we listen, as we cry, as we let go, as we face challenges, we spit and grit, we face joy unapologetically, ushering in the next world. All right, thank you. Thank you so much, y'all. So as you can see, it's like creating, creating stuff and talking about difficult things. And I always try to like come up with these like exercises. Like when I perform a, a song I feel very emotional about or I read a piece that I'm very emotional about where I'm just like, just think about, you know, like eating pizza with your crush. Or like, think about um, this playing Grand Theft Audio, uh, Auto, Grand Theft Auto the other day. Or think about hanging out with dogs. Like, you know, just like stuff that's stupid and like fun. Um, but it's really hard um, because I just finished this like the other day. And I started this new job and it's like a, it's like a semester like course that I'm teaching. And so, but it started in January. And so I thought I'm going to have this month off to just like chill before my job. Like I've never had this kind of job before. Um, but that didn't happen because I self-released this um, because of everything you just heard, because of these horror stories with the, the media not really letting me have my voice. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen now with the second pressing. I haven't shopped it. I haven't, you know. But when we were trying to, when I was working with Michelle T and we were trying to sell this, everybody was just like, it's too intersectional. There's just too much going on. Is it gay? Is it about being Latina? Is it, you know, what is it? Like, so, you know, it was just kind of the thing where, I just needed to do whatever I want and it was awesome pre-orders funded not just the press and the the shipping which was possibly like thirty thousand dollars but it also funded like my life to, to to do it for two years like two years of rent which is like really strange for an art project and it's the first time I've ever done that but yeah filling 2,000 pre-orders sucks y'all don't do that it was horrible it was so sad and I was crying the whole time I'm like this is why publishers just give you 10% because this sucks but you know so I have no idea what I'm gonna do for the next for the next pressing I've, but I'm, I have a little stash of 250 that I'm gonna release in a couple weeks with a distributor um, but aside from those, that's all that's left. Oh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a couple on tour, but I don't think I'm going to make it out here. Um, but, yeah, it's just there's not very many left. Um, so that is the next World Tarot. And um, 
this is some more art from it that I didn't scroll through because I didn't realize. Um, so, yeah, I did kind of not just take these issues. This is the tower card. I'm ending with the tower card. I renamed it Revolution. I, I chose the war for oil, the fossil fuel industry, as the the kind of metaphor for the tower, which is, you know, the foundation's ruined. You know, you, you're you surviving in it. You're doing what you can, but you got to figure out a way to, like, get out of it. Um, and, you know, with the fossil fuel industry, for us, you know, it's kind of just knowledge. You know, we're all not going to get all of a sudden these, like, biodiesel cars, and that'd be rad, but there's so many things that use this energy source so it's kind of hard to just chop it um but being educated about it and you know this card can appear for relationships ending it can appear for any any, a a toxic job that you got to leave but but leave tenderly and leave consciously and um so yeah that's why it was a hard sell because i was very invested in the real talk about the world and you know, and, and then this happens, and this new administration that we have, ha- it happened right as I was, like, you know, shipping to the printer, like, just very, um, or, f- or finishing, yeah, like, it's just, it's just been a, a very long journey. It's been a long journey, but it's very um, important and meaningful to me that it was completed during this time. Um, so thank you so much. Everyone, I would like to have a Q&A now. We can open now the Q&A. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we have a microphone up front, so any questions you have, please come up and, and ask Chrissy. Which microphone? Oh, here. Cool. Cool. Come to the podium. Or if nobody wants to, I can go. I have a question. Hi. Um, I'm interested in how you incorporated some of the traditional elements, like from the Rider deck, into like you have the High Priestess card up before, like you have the Crescent Moon, you have the Pomegranates. Yeah. How did you decide what pieces of the traditional deck you wanted to keep and what you wanted to get rid of? Um, well, it's funny you brought up the pomegranate because that's one of the few things that I was just like, duh, pomegranates. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to keep those. Um, but it was a lot of a lot of um, things that were um, – that just kind of came to me. Like there's the, the image of the, the snake eating itself, for example, and that appears a couple times throughout the deck. Um, but that is so important in so many different spiritualities and so many different... And that's kind of the stuff that I kept from the original deck because there was a lot of um, Roman Catholic stuff that um, I didn't really include. Um, like, I, I renamed um, the Hierophant, for example, which is a very, like, Roman Catholic title for, like, the, the Pope and stuff. And I renamed it the Messenger, and I drew Jenny Segutierrez, the activist and... Mm-hmm speaker an amazing woman um to be that and it's about carrying out a message and carrying out a message to followers which is you know but yeah so it was very like what is a little weird and what is but the pomegranates were definitely um one of the things that I kept and but you know there's there's for example this is the magician and the magician typically has the the four suits, like a wand, a cup, uh, you know, representing all the elements. 
And so she does have that kind of, she has the cup and then the notebook would kind of be the swords, which I use a lot of like books and stuff for communication. And then um, the pentacles would be any, the pentacles could be the books, they could be the bag, like it's about stability and wealth and like function. And then the other one, the, the fire, it's just kind of like, like, like feminist theory, emergency first response, herbal medicine and pathology, you know, she's going to do all the things. And like, I feel like that had a lot of fire energy to just, so it was just very like, it's like, I'm, I'm doing it in these like obscure ways kind of, but like, you know, at the end of the day, like that's the, the magician is about like harnessing all your gifts and like sharing them with the world and like really like honing your gifts and, um, and also turning your like practical gifts into like creative, like defining them as creative gifts. And, um, so that's kind of, I've kind of borrowed it in different ways. Um, but yeah, the queen of cups, like there's no, I was just like, this is Miss Colombia. She hangs out in Reese Beach, the gay beach in, in New York City, and she's awesome. And I just went up to her, and I was like, let me take your picture. And she has this little dog, and, like, sometimes the little dog has a little green mohawk and, and this little parrot, gray parrot. And But, yeah, there's never – there's no um, octopus, and um, and it's, like, coffee cups. I, I do like the coffee cups a lot for the cups – um, so yeah, it's all very, very random. And this is one that actually is what, like I, I just had this phase, they all were created during these different phases. And this was like a really practical phase. And this is the page of, of Pentacles. Um, and it's about, um, kind of this, this more whimsical approach to stability and to making money and to survival. And, and this is a tattoo artist, which is very straightforward, um, but she was actually doing my, my knuckle tattoos and I'm just sitting there crying and, um, and then I look behind her and that wall was there and I was just like, Oh my God, you should be a tarot card. And then, yeah, we just took this photo and a lot of them were like that too. But yeah, the high priestess definitely has the half moon also and the or crescent moon and pomegranates and the pomegranates are representing fertility and like this kind of like wisdom this like f like femme wisdom and like kind of like mother energy um but you know this woman particularly her name's 80 she's an artist and she's in the black salt collective and you should check them out follow them on instagram um but yeah i like we discussed her magic and her connections and who she, what she wanted to represent what colors she wanted present um, and a lot of people did that. They were just like, you know, make me, you know, look like this or like this. Or I, I had a folks request to be Shiva. I had a lot of folks, everyone wanted to be Oshun. And that's also like my community. But it, there was like seven women who were like, I, I want to be Oshun. But I'm just like, sorry, you know. Um, we got the son. She's, she was first dibs. So... And she's this little kid, so she was she's first dibs on Oshun. But she's awesome. You know, this is like a, a friend's child who, like, so everybody is people I know. This is my best friend who also was actually the editor. Um, but, yeah, it's all been very um, random what has been influenced. This one I did during a phase of, you know, lots of pop punk and weed. I don't know. But it was just, like, very, I was just, like, everything was neon, and, like, everything was, like, let's do the Golden Gate Bridge, but, like, earthquakey, And, like, you know, um, but then 
these more subtle pieces came out um, later in the deck as my soul got tired. And, um, yeah, and then pieces like this, the whole major can, I really wanted to get rid of the writer way influence and just kind of make it about issues. And, and this is the lovers, and it's about self-love. And, and also just, it's, the lovers is about choices. It's about making choices and, and investing in emotions into people and things that are giving back. And so when your own body can give back, it's just so mind-boggling. And, you know, I, I really wanted this card to be about that, whereas the Two of Cups is, like, the only one that's about, you know, your date. If you, if you get this on the reading, you know, congrats. Um, <laughs> so I um, we've got about um, 15 minutes left. If anyone has any more questions or if anybody wants, like, a reading, like a tarot card reading really quick. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so come here. <laughs> so you can shuffle. I've never actually done one. All right. I've never well, had a reading before. Okay. Well, everyone in this room is going to know your business. Now. That's a okay with me. All right. So I'm just going to do like three cards. So yeah, just shuffle them. Okay. And thank you. I'll let you. Thanks so much, y'all. I made the cards really big and slippery, and yeah, they're. Really <laughs> <laughs> That's some good stuff. Cool. So, what's your name? Paige. All right, Paige. We've got the hermit. Ooh, very good. Oh, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. All right. So, right now, you're retreating, and you're just, like, cultivating all these things, and you're hiding, and it's got, the hermit's indicating that you're fine. Like, if people are like, come out of your room, stop studying, like, be like, no. Like, this is where the growth is happening right now. This is where you know, the manifesting is happening, like, here in my secret world. And then the reason for that is because of everything I just talked about. So this is the foundation. This is where you're coming from. You just had a huge life change, or maybe you, like, it's like you abandoned something really big. Like, you're, you just, or, or it was just, like, this big cataclysmic, like, news or situation that just was like, all right, I need to go hide in my room and fit, you know, and heal this way and work this way and figure out how to deal with this this way. But this is where it's all coming from. So if you feel stressed and if you feel like, oh, my little hermit world feels destructive, remember that it's because you're coming from chaos and not because the hermit world is bad. We want to, you know, everyone... Oh my God, in the future, I'm so happy that you got like the best reading possible. Because like... It was like, I was a little nervous. I was like, wait, why am I doing this? It's awkward. Um, well, the star is the future. And the star is about rebirth. And just, it's like whatever you're cultivating in your secret world and whatever you're learning and whatever, you know, text messages you're exchanging. And it's like, it's like the secret stuff that you're cultivating right now is, 
enabling you to like really pursue this new path and it's and the 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 star is all about reinventing yourself just kind of like coming out of a really dark place as a new person and you know holding on to your morals and holding on to your beliefs but just really being yourself the woman on the star card um is osa who wrote the zine shotgun seamstress by black punks for black punk and it's like the history of like black punk but also just like rock and roll like it's just very important zine and it's very like you know and then she was in a band she played bass she was always on tour we toured together like super punk rock forever but now she does ceramics and she just one day was like this is who i'm gonna be i'm gonna do ceramics i'm gonna be a potter and now she's living off of it like that's her life and she's always you know and it's amazing and it's so inspiring to see her and so this is her carrying her her pottery and um, cool, yeah! Reinvention in your secret cave. Cool, yeah, yeah. Thank you for letting letting us um, hear you shed your soul. <laughs> yeah. Now you know when you run into Paige, be like, "How's that new life?" <laughs> Well, we actually have 10 minutes, which is awesome because I always talk too much. Yeah. <laughs> so I love your book and, and your expressions of, of, of exploring your identity and discovering yourself and coming out of the closet. Um, you talked about how in the future you wanted to work on, on or a book about going into space, maybe about your ex. Or yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dystopian book about that relationship. <laughs> I know, haven't we all written that already? I, yes. I can see that, that a lot of your work is about like the punk rock and the revolution. Do you see that your future work kind of moving towards um, sort of like those fun stories like about space and kind of like the revolution coming to a completion? It's funny that you that you like say that the it was like the past work was like the a punk rock like the the revolution or the change was like kind of heralded by punk i guess here which is funny because this idea of the science fiction book is about this ex who i was in in the homewreckers with and so I, it's going to be the story of the homewreckers but like the world is ending <laughs> and like but it, you know that's like a it's like every world is ending movie is Based, the author is like, I'm going to tell the story about this important time in my life. And so part of me is like, do I even need to do this? But it's like everyone needs one. Every author should have their dystopian novel, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't think that punk rock is, you know, inherently like revolutionary and going to change the world. But I think it's what we do with it, just like what we do with any craft. I like to use punk as a platform for, you know, benefit shows, for educational stuff, for sharing work like this, for... You know, for our record release show, for Choked Up's record release show, I want to have, um, it's going to be all, like, bands fronted by queer people of color, and we're going to have tabling by organizations, and then we're going to do, you know, it's like, it's like, that's kind of how I like existing in punk, and if, you know, and if I blow up, if something happens, like, I'm, I'm going to embrace that. I used to not. I used to be like, we're the homewreckers, don't talk to us. But now I'm just very, you know, I'm excited about growing and I'm very inspired by all these bands 
namely like the downtown boys if you've all heard downtown boys they just kind of you know they get they get criticized for doing they played coachella they play south by southwest but they kind of you know they never shut up about how they feel they always are real and they always just like bring up you know um south by southwest was having some messed up policies with everybody who that performs and attends has to be a u.s citizen like a legal u.s you know it's really messed up this is like last april and so downtown boys did a shit show and they changed the policy and i'm like yes you know and that's how i feel like i'm gonna take those punk values with me and kind of like let them run other stuff i do but but yeah as i get older i i am um seeing how my work changes and is more universal and when i was younger i used to just fight with everyone um about that concept because i was like and i still really really believe this that angry you know hysterical crazy work is important and we gotta we gotta make those stories and we gotta finish those stories and put them out into the world um because then by the time that a publisher like wants you and you're just doing more high profile work, it's going to be a little bit more sculpted. Like the tar- this tarot deck, it's, I self-published it, and, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 35. I like, I feel a little spent on like outwardly telling my trauma, telling my story and being pissed off. And, um, I like to save that for songwriting, like, um, and this the universalness of this kind of just happened organically because originally it wasn't, it was going to be just like queer punks like flying around or, you know, um, being in like weird dystopian scenery. Um, but no, yeah, it like kind of changed into this, this new language and people, my friends will read it and be like, wow, you're like, it's like new age. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, they just didn't know how to explain that it wasn't like not like every other word is shit and lots of references to masturbation, and lots of <laughs> lots of references to punk like and I do every now and then but but yeah, like it's cool to do a project that is 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 very much like not just my experience, but yeah, I, I do feel a little tired and part of me is like maybe the science fiction book is going to be very punk. <laughs> so we'll see. I can't tell. I'm a Gemini. Can't plan. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. If I answered the question. I think I did. All right. Any more? Um, I was just wondering if there was like, anything specific about the song Christy wrote that uh, inspired you to use a fake name. So. People would just call me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still I use my legal last name, Carrera, still. Um, I stopped using it because it was my father's and he like le- he was a painter and he left when I was really little and my mom has the last name so she was always like Ay, but why don't you want to be like Carrera clan with me and I'm like it's still his last name and mm-hmm. you know I was like the angriest between me and my sister I was I felt like I had a connection to him that was um, very special and like just kind of disconnecting from him as a 14 year old was very important to me and I was just like you know I'm a child of Green Day and I'm going to be a Green Day song. Not Child of Green Day. That's weird. <laughs> um, but, you know. But just, yeah, but just kind of like naming yourself after your favorite band. It's like, it, it felt natural. But, yeah, everybody would just call me that. Because the song is about, like, just kind of going out into the into the mountains and, and chilling and disappearing and at the tracks at Christie Road. Um... Yeah. 
I think that I think I answered. Thank you. Any more questions? It's not really a question, but <laughs> as you were talking about this kind of like it's too intersectional. I think one of the things that really struck me about this deck is the ways in which you know if, if tarot is is often thought of as a game and fun that there's a way in which it's really consequential and it's really um, profound to engage. And maybe that's part of the problem, right? That that resistance to, now it's not all serious, now it has to mean something beyond my individual kind of self-indulgence because I'm put in this frame that's always larger than the individual. So I'm just curious about, like, if you wonder, you know, I wonder what that undercurrent is, what's really being said by well, I, I, yeah, I think about that too, because I'm very like, what is even going to happen with this? Because some of the images are like, you know, me having a good time and just, you know, doing what I want to do. And then some of them, and, you know, with this one too. Um, and then some of them are just like, I'm trying to say something about the world. Um, but I will read a description, actually. I'll read this description. So, because I want y'all to see that, um, I think this is the best way to answer this because I want to show that when you, like, there is a way to kind of um, participate or, like, you know, connect with this deck and it not be about the issues in the cards because that's a character. And so the character in each card is, like, kind of, like, giving you advice. And so this is the seven, seven wands. You recently had a vision you are a priestess, a leader, an energetic plea for peace and justice. You have what you need, the resources, the knowledge, and the revolutionary intent to create something both educational and breathtaking. But a community, an individual, or a system unwilling to comply sits beside you. There is a system of power that ex excuses hate violence. This system could run through a police state, a political power, or a lover. Through intimidation, scare tactics, and lies, they urge you to run and hide from your own magic. The Seven of Wands cultivated a force field that surrounds the space she creates her elixirs, that surrounds the space where she creates her elixirs, makes her art, and strengthens her intuition away from the claws of the oppressor. She asks you to do the same. Strengthen your magnetic field. Strengthen your core beliefs. And realize that you have this. And so, yeah. Hopefully you, that resonates with you, because that would have been cool if... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, that's kind of also what I wanted to do, like, I wanted also folks that are into my art through punk rock, like, are just like, oh, well, I'm going to get it because I'm into her art and into her band, but I'm not into tarot, and then just kind of, like, associate with it as a game, because it is, it's just a real talk game that is going to, like, tell you to break up with that person, or tell you to leave that job, or, um, but then, I'll, and then also educate you about, certain choices because that's the thing I do sneak in every now and then like are you aligning with white supremacy but it's very you know like it's just kind of like yeah but then I give examples too because it'll be like are you aligning with white supremacy are you aligning with like you know so it's kind of like on the card maybe there's an, a race related thing or you know so I'll mention that but yeah a lot of a lot of the cards um just don't always the two of wands is one that um is is very uh, maybe i will close with this one it's 5 30 now um but i will read this one and then after this i'm gonna i'm gonna play a song by choked up 
and you can all come talk to me. Any, let me know anything, talk about anything, or if you're interested in purchasing a deck, I take Venmo, cash, and all that stuff. But we can also, yeah, we'll we'll discuss. Um, the Two of Wands. The Two of Wands learned everything she wanted to learn. She travels in a world free of injustice and asks you to assist her in ushering in the next world. Before we're teachers, star seeds, and magicians, we are cultural workers living on a margin with hope and fear that feels eternal. Self-sacrifice makes us magical, but trauma makes us human. We deserve to engage in the endless possibilities of our gifts, and we deserve to take our time to heal. The Two of Wands is a safe threshold. She is a guardian angel who asks you to discover your deepest truth and unravel your deepest wound while basking in your greatest achievement. Thank you so much, y'all. Thank you. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, Venmo, cash, and then I can sign it. No, 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 no. I don't know which one. There? Yeah. I think it was the one farthest. Now I have to Oh, yeah. The one that was. Come on, red, Venmo, because I made sure I picked yeah. up one that you yeah. like, yeah. yeah, sorry I forgot, because I was, I was going to, like, save, like, take that one aside to just, That's your fire water roll when they pick the kid out of the crowd and they talk to friends and you buy the wand. Yeah. That's oh. what you do Wait, so do you want that copy? Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Think about it, but if not, that'll just be the one that I, like, give people readings to that shows, like, you know, it can be, then we'll have to Oh, I should keep playing stuff. No, I'm gonna go. I'm supposed to go this summer, but yeah, I've just. Yeah, I just never. There's all these reasons why I've never gone, but I have my a bunch of family there, and yeah, I need to go see them. So it's been a very emotional, weird journey. But. I think so. I'm like, I think. Yes. Well. Thank <laughs> you. 